Welcome to an audio teaching from Windsor Park Baptist Church in Auckland, New Zealand. If you would like to look at the message notes or see some questions for reflection that take their lead from today's teaching, head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and head to the online tab where you'll see services and series and you can download different resources from there. Thanks for joining us and we hope you're encouraged by today's teaching. Kia ora everyone, my name is Caleb and welcome to our online service today. Last week Grant encouraged us around Adelphoi to see the church community as our brothers and sisters, to find key people that we want to invest into, to journey together, to encourage one another, to be vulnerable with. If you didn't hear last week's message, can I encourage you, go back and take a listen. One of his closing questions was, what's holding you back from opening up to those around you? Today's topic could be one of those very reasons holding you back. This week, we are looking at the challenge of confrontation. When it comes to our brothers and sisters in Christ, how do we confront well? Is it even okay to do so? Our plan for today is I want to set the scene around confrontation. I want to look at two principles, foundational principles that we can live from. And then I want to wrap up by giving us some, some, some tools and an opportunity to reflect. Stick with me though. I know that confrontation can be a challenging one. But before we go any further, let's stop for a moment and let us read together Philippians 2 verses 1 to 5. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, any common sharing in the Spirit, If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking for your own interests, but each other's interests as well. In your relationships with one another, have the same heart, same mind as Christ Jesus. When I think of confrontation, it's hard to go past the TV shows like Shortland Street or Home and Away. The The reality is, is that they're overly comical and dramatic scenes where those people come rushing through the door shouting at the top of their lungs like aggressive phrases such as stone the flame and crows. This is what we're supposed to be like when we get into confrontation, right? Well, no, the context of this passage is actually calling us to live a life worthy of the gospel, calling us to be like Jesus. I just don't see Jesus lining up to to be on Shortland Street or home and away. I do, though, want us to take time to think about who is somebody that we have been in conflict with recently. Hold that for a moment. Let us clearly define now what confrontation looks like. Healthy confrontation. It is a fruitful dialogue and actions that bring both parties involved to life. A display of the goodness of God. It is not venting our frustrations or hurting people we don't like, shaming others. Confrontation is in our nature. But do we do it well? No, not at all. 
I heard the Bishop of Wellington, Justin Duckworth, once say, stop believing or stop being disillusioned by believing an illusion. Or in other words, don't be surprised when you believe a lie and you become misled. For example, don't believe the illusion an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Because when you continue to eat only one apple a day and and then eat copious amounts of junk food, you are not going to remain healthy. Because what you've done is believed a lie and become misled. Or when it comes to the church community, what often happens is we, we join a church community and we become involved and uh, we idealize what's going on. We go, wow, what a church. This is so great. It's got none of the problems that my last community had. The people here are so kind. There's no politics, nothing to worry about. These people are genuinely in love with Jesus, period. If only it was that simple, right? Then we find ourselves shifting into a disillusioned space. We become confronted with the realities of the church community. Maybe there is more at play than we initially realized. Maybe there are some issues lurking and we begin to realize that the church is not perfect because it's filled with people like you and me, imperfect people. Now we have a choice. Do we confront and accept the realities of our community or do we deny the confronting truth and break off? Where are you willing to invest? I look around at the church and this is a place where there are people that have spent their entire lives here. They know the stories of Windsor because they are the story of Windsor. And no doubt there has been some different difficult times that have been confronting over the years. But one story that Dwayne Major, the senior pastor of Southwest Baptist at From Christchurch, he told us this about folding back in. He spoke at our youth leaders conference a few weeks ago. He was talking about Harekeke Flax. He said, everything or everyone loves a weave until you are called to fold back in. Folding is hard. Folding is tough. But it's a choice. It's the fold that brings life-giving places. As a faith community, we are called to raranga, to weave our lives together. But a weave only happens when people choose to fold back in. Think of that last diagram, when you have that choice to accept or to break off. I believe that this happens far more often than we realize. You know, this person has offended me. Do I fold back in or, or do I leave? I didn't get picked to serve on that particular team or they didn't go with my opinion or they they don't like or they don't play the same music that I like. I have the choice of folding back in or breaking away. The key about raranga, about weaving, is that the real strength comes as we fold together. Together as we fold one another, we support each other's weak points. We hold each other up. We have the same purpose together. A piece of flax cannot do much on its own, but when it is woven together, it can carry a load. What do you want to be as a community? A bunch of reeds of flax standing alone? Or do you want to be woven together for the kingdom of God? If it's the latter of the two, I say thank you. What it does mean, though, is that we must lean into this confrontation and do it well. If we do good confrontational and it's fruitful and it's benefits for both parties, what it does 
is it means that we will grow together stronger. And there are two things that I think that need to exist first. We need to know our identity and we need to create a culture of grace. In the first passage that we looked at today, it says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, first and foremost, we must know that we are woven together with Christ. We are made in His image. The difficulty is we live in a world that is polluted by social media. We have lost the understanding of whose image we are made in. Face-to-face social interaction has a cost, yet social media removes that cost. Social media has no desire to take into account the humanity of the person that you're talking to. Have you ever noticed this? Alex Rettman says this. He's a pastor and social commentator. He says, because of social media, we are quicker to label people. 10 plus years ago, you would have been far slower to label somebody hateful, a bigot a racist. Social media has allowed us to remove the cost and to dehumanize those we are criticizing. We forget about the fact that the others that we are talking to or that we are confronting are made in the image of God too. If we don't understand that we are made in the image of God, we will not see that others are. Matthew 22 says Jesus talks about the second most greatest commandment. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. What is the key to learn from that? Is that we need to know how to love ourselves. And we can only truly do that by understanding whose image we are made in. Alex Rettman continues and says, reaction to error produces more error. Instead, we must act on truth. What are some truths that we need to know as we read scripture? You are a child of God. You are a masterpiece. You are made new in Him. You are not condemned. You are delighted in. You are enough. I encourage you this week, take some time to go and have a look at your identity in Christ. What does He declare about you? What does He promise you? Not just for your sake, but for the sake of those around you too. Because when we know our own identity, we can understand others better. If we first don't understand our identity, we will struggle to have fruitful confrontation with those in our community. This has been made evident in our season at the moment. It seems that COVID and confrontation have gone hand in hand. I think of how poorly we have handled this, particularly as I look around Christians. There is no sense of knowing the identity of which we and others have been made in because it means that we would be able to approach this far differently. We have lost the art of a culture of grace. Fruitful confrontation can only be done when grace is present. How do we know that? Well, let's look back to Philippians. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit Rather, humbly value others above yourself, not for your own interests, but for the interest of others. Again, uh, I think of the way in which we've handled COVID and this whole situation. And some might argue, well, 
I said this and I did what I did because I was thinking of other people, putting their interests first. But what I would say is that many of us forgot the grace component in the midst of that. So what is grace? Grace is the unmerited, undeserved favor of God, a free gift. It's leveling of the playing fields. It's the interest of others. This is exactly what the passage is talking about. No selfish ambition, no vain conceit. Be humble, value others first. Grace doesn't say, well, can you believe what that person has done or those decisions or choices that they're making? Grace does say God is working in that person's life, shaping and molding them to be more like him, just as he is molding me. Part of creating a grace culture is realizing that we aren't the saviour. Jesus is. It's his job. We are pointers. We are to point people back to Jesus. So in our relationship with one another, point to Jesus. In the challenges that you face, point to Jesus. In our confrontation, point to Jesus. The grace that we have received and, and through the grace that we can give, point to Jesus. You know, a few weeks ago, I talked about the disaster that was growing corn in my backyard over summer. And I was thinking around this fruitful confrontation idea. And I thought of where those corns sit in my backyard and, and the, the, the pot is still there. And the stalks just barely stick out of the soil. I can't grow anything in that pot until I have removed those corn stalks. As much as I might like to or hope to, Barely even any weeds grow in that space because the roots of the corn have taken up so much of that pot. Now, it's the same for us. We can't have good, fruitful confrontation until we have dealt with the soil and cleared it to make it clean again, getting rid of the garbage because we need good soil. We need a culture of grace. As we draw all of this together today, fruitful confrontation brings life to both parties that are involved. We can see the goodness of God at work. But that doesn't mean that it's easy. But we must be humble and we must think of the other's interests before our own, valuing them. For fruitful confrontation to occur, we need to identify the fact that we are made in the image of God as are others. And we must also create a culture of grace. In light of All of this, my encouragement to you is go read Matthew 18 verses 15 to 18. It talks about how to do confrontation well, specifically. Notice here that there is clear instruction around what you need to do. First, confront the person just just by yourself, the two of you. If that doesn't work, take somebody else to help mediate and stand in that space. Then take it to the church. Then, if that doesn't work, treat them as if they were a pagan or somebody who was far from God. What does that last line mean specifically? It means that an extra measure of love, care, grace is required. Help them to understand who they might become as a follower of Jesus or to see what Jesus says about them. All of these steps can only be done well or fruitfully when we first know our identity. And we create a culture of grace. In just a moment, I'm going to get you to think back to that person who you've been in conflict with or who you've had to confront recently or might have to go and confront. 
But before I do that, I want you to have a look at these three questions around confrontation. Number one, do I have the right? Often we have no business to speak into someone else's situation. We might think that we do, but we don't. Have they invited you in to speak into their life before? Do you have relationship that even warrants it? It's easy to overstep where we think that we belong, but we don't. Number two, am I winning them over in love? Rephrased, why am I doing this? What are the motives that I have in this space? Is it something that I need to let go of? Boiled down to the bare basics, is this Jesus or is this me? And number three, am I being clear? If you have been given the right, if you are following what Jesus is calling you to do, if you treat them as the way that God has created them and you are gracious in that space, if you do all of that, then finally be clear. Don't sugarcoat it. It's so easy to avoid and be unclear in our confrontation for fear of what they might say, for fear of what we might lose, or we we become uh, so consumed with our own pride. Understand that fruitful confrontation only comes when both parties are brought to life. So be clear. Finally, think of your person. Recently, how did it go? Did you both leave feeling uplifted? Did you see them as Jesus sees them? Were you gracious towards them? I want to read something for you in just a minute. And then we're going to take a moment of of silence. Some, Some time to just reflect and think about what God might be saying to you. Do you have the right? Are you doing this in love or are you clear about how you're doing this? Or maybe what you need to do in that moment of silence is give it over to God. Let the Holy Spirit come and and wash away those hurts that you've felt. Do some time with Him. This quiet time is yours. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let me read. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vacancy. Rather, humbly value others above yourself. Not looking at your own interests, but looking at the interests of others. Holy Spirit, we come before you now, but we say thank you for the fact that you have created us in your image. Lord, you have given us your grace. Father, we pray that as we come to this space of confrontation and learning how to do it well, Father, thank you that you have shown us how to do that. Lord, would you help us to let go of our past challenges, our past confrontations that have hurt us. Lord, would you heal us in that space? 
Lord, deal to that soil and allow us to regrow things well. Father, that we would be able to create a culture of grace, Father, in our own life, in our community. And Father, that we would be able to care for others. Lord, not for the sake of our own glory, but for your glory, Father, to be both lifted up, to both be restored. And Lord, would we be clear about that, taking out our own selfish ambitions, but Father, instead looking at the value that you place on the other person. Lord, knowing that we too aren't perfect, Father, would you work in our lives? Father, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining our audio teaching today. If there are ways that we can continue to support you or help you in your journey, please reach out to us. Head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and you'll find various ways to contact us. God bless.